The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC can be found online at overlandpark.cc. The staff and I, we had an incredible time uh, this last week. We got to go down to a place. Somebody was really generous and offered their place up to us uh, to um, have a retreat. And we had a great time uh, enjoying one another and getting a little bit of work done and got some uh, planning for the year accomplished. And certainly one of the big things we were focused on was softball with the Savior. So we're going to up at a couple of teams. I think there will be six teams this year, and you'll be hearing more about that. And those of you who are newer, like, what in the world is that? Well, what we do is on Labor Day, um, we, just, we don't have church here at the church. We go out to a park, and we have a huge softball tournament and have an abbreviated service, have lots of stuff going on uh, for the kids. And so it's always a lot of fun. And I certainly enjoy it because my team has never been defeated. <laughs> and so I'll be looking to uphold uh, my record this year and um, looking, looking to recruit a good, solid team. So uh, I know, um, by, by the way, just right now, Hillary, you and Brenton, could, I'd love to have you on my team. All right. All right. Hillary played, played softball in college, <laughs> so, so anyway, wanted to get snatch her up before Shay did. Uh, anyway, <laughs> it's, good to, uh, it's good to be with you guys uh, today, and uh, sometimes, you know, uh, I, I didn't want to get back into Revelation. We'll get back into Revelation on August 1, and I kind of wanted to stay focused on that when we get into that teaching, um, and so... Uh, we're going to do a one-off sermon here today, and and sometimes, man, when you're when you're trying to do something for the Lord, or even uh, you you know, I think all of the, if we're Christians, everything we we do, we're kind of focused on, man, we're doing this for the Lord, whether it's our business or our career or or how we're you know just how we're living our lives, and so we we set goals and objectives, and we we try to we think, man, if if I could. If I could get this, then I would be able to, to do um, that. And, and we a lot of times think, even in terms of our, our spiritual journey, um, that, we would, that we would think in terms of, man, when I, when I get here, I will do these things for the Lord. And, and so a lot of times, man, that can really mess us up. Because as the great theologian uh, Mick Jagger said, um, you can't always get what you want, Right? But if you try sometimes, you just might find that you get what you need. And I, boy, I think that is so vitally important in the kingdom. The economy of the kingdom is always, it's always, it's really right side up, but the way the world looks, it's upside down. And so maybe we'd say the world is upside down and the way the things, the kingdom work, Jesus has flipped them right side up, but, but the way we live in the world, it always appears to be upside down the way the Lord says how things happen, how we get a movement in our lives. And so you probably have heard the story um, at some point in time, really one of the coolest stories in the Bible is the story of David and Goliath found in First um, Samuel chapter 17. And so we have this incredible uh, story where the odds are stacked against this young uh, a kid, and, and he believes the Lord, and the Lord shows up and does a mighty miracle. And it's all really about um, how God would slay um, the giant of sin in our lives when Christ actually would come. And so we see a picture of the cross in that whole story. Well, right there before that, um, there's this uh, passage of Scripture in 1 Samuel chapter 
16. <clears throat> Verses 13 and 14 of that chapter are really the crux of 1 Samuel. And um, it teaches us about this idea that you don't always get what you want, but sometimes if you try, you can get what you need. And Israel had wanted a king. They had desperately wanted a king, and they sought after a king. They asked God to give them a king instead of God being the one who led them himself. And so they, he gave them a king, and um, the gentleman's name was, was Saul, King Saul. And so in Saul, they got what they wanted. But when they get to King David, they get what they needed. And so this chapter is not so much about Samuel and David as it is about God, even though um, what Samuel does here is probably one of the coolest things that he does in his prophetic ministry and how he gets to be used to choose King David to lead the nation of Israel. But what we see being portrayed in this passage of Scripture is the infinite uh, superiority over all things human, that God has over all things human. And I'm reminded of 1 Corinthians, um, just to kind of get us started. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 28 through 31. Listen to what this says. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And so God loves to take the weak things, the despised things of the world, and use them to accomplish things. And that's why one of the reasons the Lord, you know, like in, in, during the time that Jesus walked on the planet, you, in order to be um, a Pharisee or a Sadducee or a rabbi, you had to be chosen by another rabbi. And they had a system. They had, a, they had a, uh, an academic system that they worked through. All the kids had to um, memorize the first five books of the Old Testament. And it was called the Pentateuch. And so, um, you know, from Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy. I mean, if you have to memorize Leviticus, wow. That's challenging. But all kids had to do that. Well, then they moved on, and there were other portions of the Scripture that they had to memorize. Now, why did they make them memorize it? Because it was not a, at that time, it was not an, um, as much of a written society as it is as it was a, an oral society so that the the truth was passed down orally so it was so important for them to know it and rabbis to know it well certain kids made it out of that first school and they were the elite and they would go to the next school and then if you were really good in that then you may get chosen by a rabbi um, and then he would apprentice you to himself and and so the really elite students, the ones that could score 36 on their ACT. They were chosen uh, by rabbis, and they would become the religious leaders. And so these were the people in this society that <clears throat> they were like, man, they were really looked up to. They were the, um, they were the leaders of this nation. And, and, and so they had, like, they had a very prestigious positions that everyone in society looked up to. And so when Jesus comes along, 
and he is a rabbi, and he starts his ministry, he chooses from all of the rejects that couldn't make it into the next schools. Because if you made it out of that first school and you couldn't make it into the next school, you just went into the family business. You became a fisherman, a carpenter, a, some sort of trade, a farmer, and you that's what you did with your life. And you did that at about the age of 14. And so Jesus comes along, man, and he picks these kind of guys. He picks the rejected. Um, he picks... Uh, people even picked Matthew, who was a tech tax collector, and the Jewish people hated other Jewish tax collectors that had been hired by Rome to um, collect from them. And so, like, like Jesus, is, he, he shows us the way that he approaches things as he doesn't go and pick like I just did. I'm going for the elite on my softball team, okay? <laughs> Shake and have the rejects. No. <laughs> so... So anyway, so but Jesus, man, when when it comes to the kingdom, he he looks at it and he's going to go. I'm I'm going to use the things um, that the world doesn't value, and my power is going to work in the midst of those people. Um, even in someone like myself, like he loves to take someone um, that is broken, and like all of my friends growing up, and they're just like, he he's what. He's going into ministry. What? Like it didn't make sense to them. It was a. It just the Lord flipped that on its head as He did a work in my life and called me into the ministry. Uh, no one ever saw that coming, including myself. And and again, it would be the despised and the weak things of the world. And then He uses those things to accomplish His will on the planet. So when we're thinking in terms of the economy of the kingdom, there are things that we need um, in order to move forward. But the greatest obstacle usually that stands in our way of moving and advancing the kingdom is what we want, okay? It's what we want and what we think we need. And if we will, if we will recognize that it is our wants and our desires sometimes that get in the way, then we can see that maybe the Lord doesn't want us to have these things and then we can get the things that we need in order to move forward in his kingdom. And, and that's very, very important. So we see that happening in this passage. So I take the time um, to set that up because the power of the Lord is what we need. And this, this passage of Scripture out of 1 Samuel chapter 16 um, teaches us that. So it's, it's a really cool passage of Scripture. If you've been here very long, um, you've heard me uh, teach this before. And so you might be thinking, well, why... Why are you teaching that, Jimmy? Did you just take the week off? Well, I was at a retreat, and I actually wasn't supposed to be speaking today, but there was a little bit of miscommunication with one of our disciple members, and so I had to go back into the archives and dust this one off, okay? Is that all right with y'all? It's all right with the Lord. You're not going to remember it because I didn't remember it, okay? All right, here we go. First Samuel chapter 16. The Lord said to Samuel... Now, again, okay, so here's where we're at. Saul has been rejected as the king. And Samuel was used to pick Saul. God told him to pick Saul. He's been rejected. And Samuel, like Saul is off his rockers, man. He's kind of gone crazy. And so the, Samuel is really down as a leader. And it says, the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go? 
Saul will hear about it and kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. And Samuel did what the Lord said. And when he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. And they asked, do you come in peace? And Samuel replied, yes, in peace I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. And when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. And the Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shema pass by Samuel. By, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are, all, are these all the sons you have? They're still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent and had him brought in. He was ruddy with a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. He is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. And Samuel then went to Ramah. Okay, so here's what we have. There are several things. There's a lot in this passage. It's one of the coolest passages um, that I've, I've, I've come across in Scripture that has really encouraged me, really encouraged me on how do I live? Like, how do I, how do I make the right kinds of decisions in the kingdom to see that, the, that things continue to move forward? Because the Lord doesn't just give us an, inst- he gives us an instruction book of truth, But when it comes to our individual lives, he doesn't just say, okay, Jimmy, when I wake up tomorrow, here's here's what I want you to do. Like there's a lot of freedom in how I live my life and and the excitement, um, the exciting thing about it comes in when I begin to recognize that the Lord is always leading me and I use the word and the prompting of the Holy Spirit and people in my life and things that are happening to recognize the voice of the Lord in my life and what he wants me to do Um, to walk out my obedience. And so it's important for all of us individually that we have the ability to hear from the Lord. So that's why we always are are challenging uh, folks through discipleship to sit with the Lord, to abide with him, to um, uh, be in the word, to listen for what he's, these inner promptings, the still small voice of the Lord that will lead us on a journey. And so as we do that, we need to know, like, what does that look like? Like, what does it look like? How, how would I know and be able to test that I'm hearing from the Lord? What should I expect? Um, I would expect that, that if I called you on the phone 
and I, I didn't tell you who I was, and you didn't recognize my number, and I told you to guess who I was, and sometimes I will do that, okay? <laughs> and, 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 and in time, man, after I, you will recognize my voice. You will recognize by the way that I talk and some of the things that I'm saying um, that, oh, that's, that's, that's Jimmy. That's my pastor, okay? And so you would recognize me. Well, the Lord is the same way. He, he has a, he, you can recognize what he's asking you to do by the way some of the things look that he's asking you to do. But you have to remember, it never looks like what the world looks like. Okay, and the greatest obstacle to hearing the voice of the Lord and doing what he wants you to do is being focused on you, what you want instead of what you need. That's the thing that gets in the way all the time is that, man, you will, you will be focused on, you might think, well, man, a lot of people, they won't sell out 100% to the Lord because they're afraid the Lord may call me into ministry. Like, he, he could call me to move my family somewhere. And so I, they kind of keep the Lord at arm's length. And he may do that. And so you never do make a full commitment because you're afraid of what the Lord might do. And so, like, that want, you have a want, and you go, man, I want to live my life a particular way, keeps you from ever finding out what the needs are. So let's look at this and see what's going on with Samuel. And here's the first takeaway. Sometimes... Or I was just should say, all the time in the kingdom, you need to move when you don't want to move. Okay? If you want to recognize the voice of the Lord in your life, the Lord is going to ask you to do something that you don't want to do. And the reason he's asking you to do something that you don't want to do is because you're so focused on something that you want, and he knows what you need. Okay, so what you want will be what you're looking at, what you're focused on, and the Lord will be speaking to you about what you need in order to move forward, not only in the kingdom, but in this life. And so what we want can keep us from what we need. And in this case, he says to Samuel, Samuel's mourning, and it's a very powerful question. He says, how long will you mourn? He's like, hey, bro. How long are you going to be upset about the fact that I've rejected this guy as king because he won't listen to anything that I say and I can't use a guy that won't listen to me? How long will you mourn? Be on your way. He said, quit crying over this stuff. Quit, quit looking at this and hoping, hoping that, that, that Saul will have a change in his life. He's not going to change, and that's why I've rejected him. He's taken his free will, and he is pursuing what he wants, not what I want, and therefore he's not getting what he needs, and that's not what my people need. I'm, I'm removing him as king. And so he, the first thing he says to him is he gives him some motivational reproof. And he's asked the question, how long will you stay in this state and not um, get moving? I'm ready for you to move forward. And I think that's what he would say uh, to some of us as he gave Samuel a job to do and the mission was the capstone of his career. Had Samuel not listened to the Lord and he stayed in mourning, he never would have been used to select David who was going to be used. Like, like David's one of the most famous people in, in, in Jewish history. And Samuel was the prophet whom we know about because he was used to select King David. And so we know so much about Samuel because uh, David was such a powerful influence within um, Judaism. And so as we look at this, man, we go, man, the Lord, he says to us sometimes, hey, how long? How long are you going to stay right there? 
Like sometimes, here's one of the things when we walk in intentional discipleship, and when I talk about that, I don't mean to frustrate any of you guys. I'm just like what we're trying to do is what the Lord has asked the church to do is go and make disciples, okay? And so we do that, and we invest in people, and we walk through a process, and then we release them to go make disciples, and they don't always get off the ground. You know what the Lord says? How long? How long will you stay there before you get engaged and go forward and start doing what I've asked all believers to do, to go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? So I think for some people, I think sometimes, because I, I don't think I know, because I've watched it happen. I've watched people that I love dearly, that I'm invested in, and, and that I've leaned into and say, man, you need to get going in your group. And they've waited, and they've waited, and they've waited, sometimes two years. And then all of a sudden they move and they're blown away by how the Lord is starting to move in their lives because they finally got movement in what the Lord wanted them to step into in obedience. Sometimes it can look like baptism. Sometimes people, they come into the kingdom and they, they give their lives to the Lord and then they, they don't get baptized. Um, and then they know they need to get baptized, then time goes on and then they're afraid to get baptized. And then sometimes they look and they go, well, at, at OPCC, they ask you to give a, a testimony. Yeah. Like if, you, if you're going to follow Jesus, you ought to be able to testify, especially to the spiritual family that you belong to, that you love the Lord. And you go to the many cripples us and we get afraid. And I get that. We're, we're human beings. But it's our wants that keep us from moving forward. And sometimes we wonder, why isn't the Lord moving in my life? And maybe the Lord is looking and you go, how long? How long will you wait until you step up in obedience and follow me in baptism like I've asked you to do? See, we can't get the next piece of information in the kingdom because we're not stepping forward in the first thing that the Lord has asked us to do. These things can happen all over, okay? And it never quits. It doesn't quit once we become followers of Jesus and we go, okay, now I'm baptized, so now I've got it down. No, it never quits. Like, man, I'm, I've, been, I've been following the Lord this way for 30 years, and the Lord still asks me to do things. And one of the things that I know is that the, the quickest way to, to, to find a place of depression and misery is to ignore what the Lord is asking me to do. And, and when he asked me to do it, the quickest way to joy and freedom is to hear the Lord is asking me to do something and to immediately step in, uh, into that obedience and respond and let the kingdom blessings begin to fall on my life. And so my, like my philosophy in life, and I think this is the greatest place that you could get to as a believer, and it has really nothing to do with me. It's, it's all about the Lord, and I've learned to trust him in this. My answer is yes before I know the question. Before he asks me to do anything, it's already yes. It's just a matter of I need to recognize, is he asking me to do this thing right here? And he shows me. He leads me. He said, well, how does he do that? Well, first off, I better get off of my tail and quit sitting in a place of mourning and move forward. That's the first thing he asked Samuel to do. How long? Get up. Be on your way. Be on your way so I can show you something new. Now watch this. This is the next thing. Fear, <laughs> fear is a strong indicator that you have heard from the Lord. When you're afraid to do something, it's probably the Lord that has asked you to do it. You say, well, wait a minute. That doesn't make sense. Well, verse 2, it, we see that Samuel is clearly afraid. He says, how can I go? 
Saul will hear about it and kill me. I mean, this guy is crazy. <laughs> he, he's trying to protect his kingdom. And if he hears that me, the, the prophet that, that, that speaks on your behalf to the people of Israel, if he hears that I go and anoint another person, then he's going to kill me and try to keep that from happening. So he is afraid. Um, and he's afraid. And that I say, why would the Lord do that? Why would the Lord use fear to indicate that we have heard from him? Because when we are afraid, it puts us in a position where we depend on what? The Lord. If we'd only have to depend on ourselves and we could look within ourselves and we go, man, like, I, I don't need the Lord in this, then we're not afraid. That's why I, that is, that is specifically why I just recruited Hillary to play on my team. I'm not afraid. Okay. I'm totally confident. And so I, I just, those guys, we were at the staff retreat and they were talking, we were talking about putting the teams together. I said, bro, I've been recruiting people to play on my team since January. Like, I don't wait until right up. Like, I, I meet somebody, and they tell me that they play uh, uh, college sports. I say, hey, we got this deal in September, okay? I'm not afraid of, I'm, I'm setting myself up for a great fall. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, <laughs> and so, so, so like, when, but, but if we step into situations where we don't know, like, we don't know all of the, the outcomes, and usually in the kingdom, we don't. And then we're afraid. And so what do we do? We turn to the Lord because these things are out of our control. We, we can only do so much. We don't, have a, we don't have all of the answers to how this is going to work. Um, I go back to that illustration of, of discipleship, and, and maybe, maybe you're on the road and you're in the pathway of discipleship right now. Um, and you're like, geez, man, when he talks about this, it makes me a little nervous to think about doing that myself. And you're afraid. That's good. That's good. Because that fear is the thing that will cause you to depend on the Lord. And so we use, like, fear is often an indicator um, that we're hearing from the Lord to step forward in obedience. And that becomes so powerful because as we do that and we're afraid and we step into that, we see the Lord show up and then we start to have spiritual courage and the Lord starts moving in our lives. I don't think there's any um, a coincidence that all of this stuff is taught right before the story of David and Goliath. And, and David, man, being a man after God's own heart, he had all of this stuff down uh, as a young person. And so fear, when you see yourself being afraid, you should look and go, man, the Lord is probably trying to get me to do this. This is why I have so much fear about it. All right, here's, here's so there's a healthy fear that we can have. The third um, takeaway is obedient sacrifice or sacrificial obedience, however you want to say it, unlocks step-by-step instructions. So you say, well, what do I do when I'm afraid? You look for a way to sacrifice. And what does sacrifice mean? It means death. It means death to something. And usually in this case, it means death to ourselves in a particular area so that we overcome our fear. He says to him in the second part of verse 2, when he says, Saul will hear about it and kill me, the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and what he, he says, and I will show you what to do. Now, now think about that. You go, you take a heifer, and once you do that, I'll show you what to do next. See, that's not the way we like. We need to plan. Like, what are you? What, how's this all going to go down, Lord? If you really want me to do this, Lord, 
Who are the people that I'm going to do it with? Like thinking in terms of discipleship, who am I going to invite into my life? Um, and well, are they going to say yes or no if I invite them in? And um, am I going to have all that it takes in order to be able to disciple them in the ways uh, uh, of the Lord? And, and so we want all these answers. And the Lord said, get you a heifer, be on your way, and when you get there, I'll show you what to do. And so we always miss this piece because uh, as Americans, man, we, we want a business plan for our spiritual journey. There's no business plan. It's not the way it works. What we have to be is people who are yes people to the Lord and we're waiting for him to show us the next thing to do. We step into obedience of that first thing and we sacrifice and usually that, 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 that heifer that we need to sacrifice is something very um, special to us, like time um, or, or, or energy or, or just, just putting myself out there and saying, okay, I, I'm willing to put myself out there for this and see what the Lord will do on my journey. And so obedient sacrifice unlocks step-by-step instructions because once he got there, he was shown the next thing to do. Had he never stepped forward because of his fear, he would have never even received the second piece of instruction was just make a sacrifice and I'll show you what to do when we get there. And so he just keeps unlocking things step-by-step as they go forward. And then we get to the uh, next takeaway is this is really cool. When you start to do that, when you walk in faith that way, you will walk in authority, okay? Jesus said when he gave the great commission, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me and I'm sending you. And in that statement, he is saying, my power and my authority are available to you to go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And so we, we have, the, we have the, a blank check on the power and authority of the Lord, but we're never going to access that power and authority simply by coming to church and professing that I'm a believer in Jesus. That's not how you get power and authority. If you want power and authority in your life, you have to walk in the identity of who you are. That's what makes you, that's what makes you able to access the power and authority, but the power and authority will not show up in your life until you begin to make the obedient sacrifices. Sacrifice the heifer, I'll show you what to do. And so as you step forward and you're like, okay, I'm afraid of this, I'm afraid this guy will kill me as, uh, for Samuel, um, but I'm gonna listen to the Lord and, and I'm gonna step forward, I'm gonna take the heifer and I'm gonna do what he asked me to do. And when he gets there, we see um, that uh, in verse four, he says, Samuel did, you ought, to, you, ought to, you ought to underline that. Samuel did what the Lord said. Well, if I could just get you there, if I could get you there, if all of us would just do what the Lord said. Like we talked about adding a second service this fall. If you guys would, if even those of you who are here in July, bless your souls, you're committed people. If you would do what the Lord says, we probably have to add two services before the end of the year. That's the way this thing works. The last thing in the world that we want is people coming to our church because we have good worship, a good kids ministry, and I'm a good preacher. That's the last kind of church that this community needs. There, there, there are plenty of guys and ministries around doing that. We need a church that people are coming to because the people who are sitting in the pews, they hear and they do what the Lord says to do. 
And the place, man, the place will just explode because the Lord will start leading you on a journey just as he's leading um, Samuel in this case. And so Samuel did what the Lord said, and look what happens. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. And they said, do you come in peace? He walked with such authority in his life that the other people recognized when he showed up, you better listen to what he has to say because he's not walking in his own power and authority. He's walking in the power and authority of the Lord and the people around him recognized it. And so when you walk in faith like that, you will walk in authority, divine authority that is distributed by the Lord himself. And you read through the New Testament and all of these passages, like, man, we, we, we like to quote, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. No, you can't if you don't listen to him. He's not going to help you do all things if you're ignoring what he's asking you to do. But if you listen to him, like just having it on a t-shirt does not make it a reality in your life. What makes it a reality in your life is when you listen and obey and you sacrifice the heifer. Then the power and authority starts falling in your life and you have the ability to do the things in the kingdom that the Lord wants you to do. And so like we, we look at that and we go, man, like the Lord wants to pour out authority in my life, but it is connected to how long will you mourn, Samuel? Get up, be on your way, be moving and don't be afraid and I will show you the next thing to do. Okay, so here, here's the here's the. I don't know what takeaway we're on. I think it's five. Everyone can see your face. Only you and God can see your heart. Okay? I love this part of the, the, the story is because in verses six through 10, Eliab, if you study this week and you, you, you want to read ahead and read about David and Goliath, you'll see that Eliab um, gives David a lot of grief. Eliab is Dave, one of David's older brothers, and he's a very tall dude. And, and Saul was a very tall dude. And so Eliab probably w- would have been one that could have confronted Saul according to what the eyes of man see. And he was frustrated with David when he shows up on the battle scene. And, and, and so David was not, he didn't have that kind of appearance at all. And, and so he was not the likely one for leadership. As a matter of fact, even Samuel, when he saw him, he would have put him on his softball team, okay? He would have done that. He was a tall dude, and he was like, he's the guy. And the Lord said, no. Now, in my case, the Lord did not tell me to reject Hillary. <laughs> you were there. <laughs> I don't even know if y'all are going to be in town, and you certainly didn't know you were going to be the subject of today's sermon. But uh, a- anyway... Uh, and so, so like the Lord, like when he looks, he, he's like, don't look at what people see on the outside. Look at what is going on on the inside. And so he, he looks at the most likely the Lord says, no, he works through all of them. And, and what started out as low for David, <laughs> David was so low on the totem pole that he didn't even get invited to the dinner by his own father. Like David was like, his dad, Jesse, was like, when Samuel said, bring your sons in, the Lord has sent me to your house. He brought them in, but he's like, David needs to take, somebody's got to take care of the sheep. And so he leaves David out there because he knows they're not going to pick David. So even his father didn't think that he was the one that would be used. And so everyone can see your face, but only you and God can see your heart. 
And so he started out low. David started out low. And what I love about David is that he's always a character. As he's walking in obedience, we see he's always having fun while God is elevating him. Before God elevates him to the position of king, he just waits on God and he enjoys his life in the meantime and he lets God do his work and he trusts him. And so my my question for you today is that how would your life change if you spend as much time on your inward appearance with God as you do your outward appearance with man. Like we invest money, the clothes we wear, it's like we work out, we, we think about the food that we eat so that we could try to stay healthy, we go to the doctor, we're, we're monitoring all the time the physical appearance, right? How would your life change if you invested in what's going on inwardly inside of you as much as you do outwardly. And so like the Lord is saying, man, that's the key. I'm always looking at your heart. I'm not looking at what everyone else um, sees. And then we get to uh, the next takeaway is faithfulness in a little leads to a lot. Faithfulness in little things always leads to a lot. Verses 11 and 12, this is what it says. Um, So he asked Jesse, are these all your sons? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he is tending the sheep. And Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. And and so he sent and, and he brought him and he was ruddy with a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. He is the one. And so here David is out just doing the, he's just doing what his dad asked him to do. He's caring for the sheep. And God calls him to be the king of Israel. Just like that, man. He's, boom, like he's just doing exactly what the Lord asked him to do, and immediately he is called to be the king of Israel. His family didn't invite him to the ceremony. And so my takeaway from that, my encouragement from that, is that even when it feels like no one else knows what, the, what has been birthed in your heart, you need to know the Lord knows. And sometimes it takes time. Um, and and I, will, I will use this ministry as an example just for me personally, is that, you know, this is the only the second church I've pastored. So back in Oklahoma, I took the church um, when I was 29 and had a, about 250 people in it. And, and man, I was just preaching the word and, and, and just believing the Lord and the church just grew and, and it just grew. It always grew. And... Uh, and so when I came here and the Lord called me here, I thought, that's, that's what's going to happen. And then I get into year two, and it's not happening. Year three, it's not happening. Year four, it's not happening. And I'm like, Lord, what do I do? Like, I've I'm, I'm done the thing. I've done all I know to do. I'm doing the same thing that I've always done. And, and the Lord, like, what the Lord kept telling me is, you just keep waiting on me. You just keep waiting on me. Now, I'm really encouraged that things have started to break out and move, and, and, and still we're not this, like, giant ministry or anything. But, but I, you, when you see the Lord start moving and you've been a part of the move of the Lord, you know when it's happening. And, and the Lord has started to move in this church. And so I, what I want you to hear is I've had to wait probably nine years, nine years, and just keep being faithful. Keep believing God. There have been, there have been days that Abby and I have talked. We have laid in bed. And are, you, are we sure the Lord asked us to come here? And I know the Lord asked me to come here. 
And we've had those conversations. And now we have conversations going, I'm glad we didn't back out when we were having doubts. And so we're, it's just, so you look at, as I'm teaching you these things, what I'm telling you is they are realities for me. Like th this is how my life works. It ebbs and flows. The Lord is always moving this way. And as we trust, man, if we will just keep being faithful in the little things, he will start moving. And when he starts moving, it's absolutely uh, incredible. And so I look back even on the journey um, uh, up to this point here at this church, and I, I wouldn't trade it for anything, man. There have been so many things that have enriched my life over the last 10 years in this ministry um, outside of just the incredible relationships that I've developed with many of you. But even in my own inward spiritual journey that the Lord has taught me, um, that if, if the church would have just blown up immediately, I never would have learned the things that the Lord taught me. And so I'm so thankful for that. And so faithfulness in a little always leads to a lot. So, so you may be in a place right now and you go, man, I'm doing these things. I, I've been afraid and I've stepped out and, 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 I'm, and nothing seems like it's happening right now. I've made my sacrifice in this particular area. You just keep believing, man. If the Lord told, told you to do something, just keep holding on. And right now what the Lord is doing is, is, is maybe it's taking some time because he's refining you in ways that are going to be necessary for what he's going to do with you in the future as things begin to break loose and what he's asked you to do. And so uh, Saul was the people's king, but David was God's king. And that's always a better place to be. Here's the last takeaway. The spirit's power is the norm. All right, it's the norm. Now, what am, what am I talking about there? Well, it says that when, when uh, Samuel anointed David, it says, so Samuel, in verse 13, so Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. And then Samuel um, went on to Ramah. Well, what's that about? Well, in the Old Testament, we're living during a time the way that God worked is the, his spirit would come over people for special purposes. So we read the story, for instance, about um, Samson. And the spirit of the Lord dwelt on him to give him incredible strength, and God used him as a judge of Israel. Moses, the spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he used Moses to lead the children of Israel out of uh, bondage. The spirit of the Lord did not come on all the Israelites like that. This is not the way it worked. Did they know the Lord? Did they trust the Lord in faith? Did the Lord move in their lives? Sure. But the spirit of God did not come on them. It was a special anointing. And so like we look at that and, and we go, okay, well, what, how, does the spirit of the Lord fall in a special way on preachers now? Like, did, did, it, did the Spirit of the Lord fall on me in a special way? And do I have a special anointing um, that, like David had? The answer is no. It, no, that is not the case at all. We have to go to the New Testament in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says, but you, and he's talking to the church, will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Walking in the power of the Spirit is normal for believers. When we confess Jesus as our Savior and we recognize that we're sinners, we are born again and we are not born of flesh uh, as, as Jesus said, we are born of the Spirit, 
and the Spirit of God indwells us, and so he lives in us. And, and so whenever we, we come across someone who may feel like they're, man, it's like, man, when that guy preaches, it just feels like it's so powerful. And when this guy preaches, like, I don't get that, any of that at all. What's going on there? Does, is there a special anointing or, uh, um, uh, set aside for some and not for others? No, no. I think what's going on is one guy is walking in obedience to the Lord and another guy is not. That's it. Like any one of you, as a matter of fact, um, I love it when we have lay people get up and preach it because it's, it's just a powerful experience for the body. And so any one of you could preach the gospel and the spirit of God could use you to powerfully communicate the word. And you say, well, how would that happen? One, you better be sitting with the Lord. You better have a relationship with him. You better be talking to him. You better be praying. You better be walking in obedience, um, not perfection, but certainly obedience. And when he's showing you uh, to step into and you're not afraid to step into it, then all of a sudden the Lord will begin to do things in your life. And as you open your mouth to preach the gospel, it will just happen. And so like, like, like it's, 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 it's a normal thing that all of us ought to be experiencing. That's why I say that if we would be like Samuel and just do what the Lord said, our church would be incredibly powerful. The more of us that will listen and do what the Lord says, the greater power and influence we have in this world until we die as a, as a body of believers. And so like, that's why I'm always encouraging you to be in the word, man. Be listening to the Lord. That's why I'm committed to discipleship because it is a vehicle to help you to understand how do I sit with the Lord? How do I talk to the Lord? How do I read the word and discern from it what the Lord is asking me to do? And as you learn that, then you will see that you will begin to walk in greater power and authority. And, and it's the norm. And so the purpose is to witness um, that the Lord, uh, like we see this, <laughs> is that that's why the Lord chooses the lowliest, man. When a person thinks that they can't, but they know that God can, and they look for the Lord to show up, and then the greater power shows up in their lives. And that, that brings us to the big idea today. It's always better to get what you need over what you want. It's always better. So always, always choose that and go ask yourself And when you feel, especially, man, like when you feel a prompting from the Lord, you feel him leaning in a little bit. Um, you have to go, am I making this decision right now based on what I need, what I want? Because generally, if you make a decision based on what you want, you will run. Because that's our, our immediate defense is flight when we're afraid. And you will run from the situation. You will run from discipleship. You will run from the people who are trying to challenge you in these areas. You will move yourself away from them when you're focused on what you want. When you are focused on what you need, you will do just the opposite. You will run to those things. You will run in a greater capacity looking for someone to help you to recognize what you, what, you, what you feel in your heart the Lord is asking you to do, and you will find godly counsel around you. Listen, you can always find somebody who will tell you what you want to hear. It's rare to find people who will tell you what you need to hear. And in the kingdom, that's what we should be telling each other, what we need, not what we want. So be encouraged this morning. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes, and we'll enter into a time of prayer and decision. What do you need this morning? What do you need?
Not what do you want? What do you need? I want you just to take a moment um, to reflect on that question. And I, I want you to just to, as you meditate, I'm going to pause here in a moment. And I'm going to quit talking. And I want you to intentionally, as you sit there in meditation with the Lord, I want you to come to a place where you can, you're really talking to the Lord and, and ask him to show you what you need. And what's the next step that that you need to take in that? Heavenly Father, we bow before you today and we thank you for this moment that we've had, this time to like just soak in your word. Thank you for this um, real life story that you, you've recorded for us in your word about Samuel. And we can glean so much from it, Lord, about how to, how to follow you, what it's like to follow you. And I'm encouraged by it, Lord. Thank you for encouraging me from your word today. Thank you for these people, Lord, that are hungry for the truth. And I pray for your hand, Lord, to fall upon them in a very special way, that you would show them what they need, and they would recognize, Lord, the wants that are keeping them from the needs, and they would turn away from those things. And they would be on their way with what they need. I thank you for each one, and I, I just pray, Lord, that as a body of believers, you would help us to get um, more and more effective at hearing from you and obeying what you've asked us to do. The world is in such a desperate need of spirit-filled believers who are able to walk in power and authority, and Lord, help us to see that is rooted in our obedience to you. It's rooted in our identity, Lord, that when we recognize who we are and we walk out that obedience, that that power and authority falls upon our lives. I thank you for this day, and I pray these things in the powerful name of Christ, and amen. But before I turn the service over to Sean, I do want to encourage you um, to, if you made a decision of any kind, what, whatever it may be, there's, uh, there's, a, there's a place in your bulletin. You can put that in. There's an offering plate at the back. You can stick it in that on your way out. Hand it to me, whatever. But I like to know about what the Lord is doing in your life. You can also email me later. My email address is on the, on the bulletin. Uh, but it's encouraging to know about that. And then I pray for you on a daily basis uh, that the Lord would continue helping you on your journey. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at overlandpark.cc.